division between Malachi and Matthew. You probably have blank pages between the two books. You probably have some writings or descriptions between the two books. But there is a distinct difference between the ending of Malachi and the beginning of Matthew. At the end of Malachi, you'll find that the New Testament closes out with its people, God's people, in a very chaotic, ritualistic state of behavior without passion. Behavior that was confined to the rituals, behavior that was confined to just doing it for the sake of doing it. But then once they took off the robes, once they were done with the sacrifices, once they were done, then they went about their own business. They were all about themselves. Many times, from Isaiah to Malachi, God was very concerned that your houses, as he would say to them, you live in sealed houses. Your houses are looking good, but my house has been forsaken. You have taken the best that you have and you consumed it upon yourself, and you've given me the leftovers. He said, I am a father. And if I'm a father, where's my honor? Give that to the governors and see what they say about it. This was the condition of God's people. So understand from that point, the nation Israel started to splinter into sex. It started to splinter into different groups. When Jesus comes on the scene, there are literally six, and they tell us up to eight different groups that existed. And in these groups, there was this tension that existed about who was right. Then you take into account from there, you have the Roman Empire, you have the Roman government that absolutely was raining down and they were being used by this religious political portion. The Roman government, hand in hand with the religious government, were bringing about a snobbery. They were bringing about a prejudice. They were bringing about tension. There was tension. The only reason two of its leaders came together was because they found a common hatred in Jesus Christ. Let me pause and just say this. Any friendship that is based in a common spite will end to the crucifixion of something. Let me say that one again. Any comrade, any friendship that is laced with spiritual spite will end in the crucifixion of somebody. This is what Jesus was up against. So Jesus steps on the scene, and I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of Matthew chapter 9. Jesus comes onto the scene, and, and there was this tension, this, this unspoken tension, this, this political fear, this religious fear. Jesus steps in, and now he has to deal with the Sadducees. This was the priestly class. They were the rich. They were the wealthy. They worked with the Romans to stay in power. They did not fall oral traditions. Then he had the Pharisees. They believed in strict adherence of the law. They were the middle class. They were experts at the law. These were the lawyers. This is what Jesus was coming into. Jesus just didn't step in and have to deal with one group. His groups were just multiple groups. He then had the Sanhedrin. They were the Supreme Court, if you will. They controlled the day-to-day -day lives of the people 
the, the Sanhedrin had to deal with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They could not put anybody to death, but they sure could make their life miserable. You had a group of people that they did not like luxury, that they did not like notoriety. They avoided civilization. Uh, they were the people who thought that they would catch the moral germ of the day. So Jesus had those people. Then you had the zealots. You had the zealots that believed that overthrowing the Roman government, so they advocated violence. They, they wanted violence. And they did not like Jesus because Jesus came on the scene teaching this, love your enemy. Bless them that curse you. This was a foreign concept to how they were being raised. Understand Jesus stepped right into the middle of these, this swirling society that was at conflict continuously, and they were good as long as they stayed in, 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 their, in their zones, if you will. Then you had the scribes, the authorities on the Jewish law, the keepers and the interpreters of the law and traditions. So here you have from, I, from Malachi to Matthew, when Jesus comes on, these 12 tribes of Israel had splintered into these six, seven, possibly eight, depending on the historians, these eight groups. These eight groups had a contention going on. All of them understood that we are underneath the Roman Empire. Now Jesus comes on the scene, and it says that a king was born. Now, now, there was two things that was said about Jesus, that he would be king and that he would save his people from their sins. At this moment, y'all, listen, at this moment, he went up against the two status quo big boys, if you will, at the time. He took on the Roman government at the time, and he took on the religious establishment. And isn't it just like Jesus to be king of kings and lord of lord, yet be the sacrificial lamb, the Messiah, on this end of it? Do you know that the tension that existed here in Jesus' day is no different than the tension that exists today? Would we not all agree we live in a very tenacious, a time of tension? And you would have to live under a rock not to know that our country is in trouble. Can I show you some of the trouble that we're in? Guys, just let it run while I talk. This is the capital of an autonomous people there in Seattle. This is what our society has come to. Our society has come to a place of riots. But I'll tell you what's lost in this conversation. The thing that is lost in this conversation are the common people. The common people. Do you know what's lost in this conversation? 
Look at Matthew chapter 9 and look what it says here. Jesus passed forth from thence, verse number 9, Matthew 9, 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of customs. And he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and what, please, sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when, what, please, the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? Look what Jesus said. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are what? Sick. Please know this, Emmanuel Baptist, that the protests and the writings that are taking place is over, first of all, I will tell you, that yes, civil rights are involved. But long before that man's civil rights were ever violated, his human rights were violated. Long before his civil rights were ever violated, his human rights have been violated. And do you know what we've lost sight of? We have lost sight of the same thing that the Pharisees and these people lost sight of right here. You know what it is? These are human beings. These are human beings. These are human beings. These are human beings. I understand that the tensions are high. And it's like the elephant in the middle of the room. Nobody wants to talk about it. But Emmanuel Baptist, you listen to this. There is no right color to be. Does everyone understand that? And when we walk through these doors, you lose your race and you lose your identity and you lose your status when we walk through these doors because what is the color of a soul? There is no color to a soul. Nobody's better than anybody else. And know what I'm about to tell you, that when a church loses its commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ, then that is when a church becomes bigoted and it becomes racist and it becomes a snobbish church. And that's why our commitment has got to be to the common people that need the gospel because they that are whole, they that know nothing, nothing's wrong with me, I'm all right, you can't tell me what I'm doing. That's why Jesus totally ignored the Pharisees. In fact, he said about the Pharisees, they that are whole. You don't even think you have a problem. You don't even think that you're wrong. But boy, there is a segment of people in our town that they are sinners and they are dealing with the effects of sin and they live in it every day and they're just looking for hope. Somebody please give me the solution. Somebody please tell me there's a way out of here. Somebody please tell me I don't have to be this way. My marriage doesn't have to be this way. My kids don't have to be this way. I don't got to get drunk every Friday night and I don't have to be hooked on drugs and I don't have to go through this hell here on earth only to die and go to a worse hell. I'm coming to you tonight to tell you this, that there is a segment of our society that they have an agenda, but the majority of our society does not have an agenda. They don't. They're just trying to work every day. They're just trying to make it through. They're just trying to pay their bills. They're just trying to be a good husband. They're trying to be a good teenager. They're just trying to get along. 
But boy, let me tell you, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes and the Zealots, they all had this hidden agenda back here, and they all had their box, and everybody had to fit in their box. But the majority of our country doesn't have a box they're trying to want anybody to fit into. They're just trying to make it from paycheck to paycheck, from tree to tree, from pillar to pillar, from post to post, and they're just trying to make sure that the house doesn't get broken into. And they're just trying to make sure that they got enough money to make it to the end. That's all they're trying to do. But the missing element is a physician. The missing element in a sinner's life is a physician. I want you to go, if you will, to Galatians chapter 5. And in Galatians chapter number 5, it struck me funny as I was making a list of the ills of our society. And then I thought to myself like 30 seconds before I walked out, I got my list of the ills of our society and I did all my research, and then the Holy Spirit so convicted me. And he says, you know, I already put the ills, but not of society, of man. And I'm like, Lord, but I just spent all this time, and I was going to wax eloquent. <laughs> you know what the Lord said? Use my words, Bob, not your words. So let's use the Lord's words. Look what it says here in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the what please? Lust of the flesh. Look at that. Fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things ye would. Everybody back up and listen to this. But what do people do when they have nothing on the other end that is contrary? Therein lies the problem. I've been wanting to do this all night. Take that tie off. Use it as a tug of war. Look, look, watch, watch. Watch. You see, you and I don't live in the common person's world. You and I do not live like a lost man. You see, you and I have a conscience. You and I have somebody contrary to you. The reason that a Christian is miserable is not because they're lost the majority of the time. You know why a Christian's miserable? Come here, Noah. Because they have a contrariness in them. Please watch this. Look what it says there in Galatians chapter 5. If you go there, if you're there, I'm not because I've done turned the book. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, look at this. This I say, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are what, please? Contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye what would the reason and don't rip my forget my why am i using my tie let me see your tie take that tie off man if i'm gonna if i'm gonna ruin a tie man i'm not ruining my tie and uh here we go you ready make an ascot out of it and put it in there all right here we go now how many have no idea what an ascot is how many have no idea how many know exactly what i'm saying okay you bunch of 70s people and uh Never mind, I look like Kim Robinson when I was in the, okay, and uh, watch this. The thing that keeps you in check is not your mama. 
If you're saved tonight, the thing that keeps you from going off the deep end and from fulfilling the lust of your flesh is the Spirit of God that lives on the inside. And right now, the thing that keeps our society and keeps you from just blowing it wide open, and why? Because you've got somebody that's contrary, and I'm going to let you play the Spirit. And when you say, I'm just going to go give them a piece of my mind, Paul, Paul, he's contrary that you cannot do the things that you would. And when the flesh starts pulling against the spirit, it's going to rip, come this way. When the flesh starts pulling against the spirit, this is the reason. But you know how many people that are out there, sit down, just go that way, just sit down. You know how many people are out there that are like, I'm going to go get drunk tonight. And there's nobody to stop them. Please listen to this. Oh, I'm shocked that that husband would cheat on that wife. I'm not. I'm not. Because, listen to this, the reason you and I do not fulfill the lust of the flesh is because we've got a spirit that will stop us from fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And it's contrary. And if anybody that's a believer steps over the spirit and goes fulfill the lust of the flesh, you had to walk over a whole lot of conviction on the inside and a whole lot of guesswork on the inside when a lost man doesn't even think about it. Look what it says here. And for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the thing that you would. But if you are led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifested, which are these. Adultery. If a believer commits adultery, he had to step over a whole lot of God to do it. Fornication. Uncleanness lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, reveling. I like how God protected our children. And such like. I am 52 years of age, and I probably... I would guess, I have heard of every sin that a person could commit, just in counseling, just in working with people. There always are those times when somebody starts speaking to me in terms of the such like, that I have no idea what you're talking about. And I praise God for a mom and dad who raised me in the ignorance and the innocence of God's word. But what happens to a society that doesn't have this. Think about all the junk you and I get ourselves into and all the times that we hate and there's variance and there's strife and there's envyings and there's lasciviousness and there's this kind of junk going on. And then all of a sudden, think about what happens when we are absolutely involved in things that the Spirit has been pulling at us and contrary to us. And you know how we feel when we, How do you think these people feel when they wake up the morning after, they wake up the week after, and they have fulfilled these things, and there was no restraint? Would you go back to Matthew chapter 9? Thank you. Thank you, Noah. Matthew chapter 9. And in Matthew chapter 9, he said, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go and learn what that meaneth. 
Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not called, come to call the what, please? Righteous, but what? Sinners. To what? Repentance. Let me tell you, God's goal, God's aim is to call the ones that are sinners to repentance. That's God's aim. That's God's goal. Our God did not come to this earth for those who did not need him. He came to earth for that Matthew. He came to earth for the sons of Zebedee. He came to earth for the sinners that he sat at meat. And the Pharisees and the scribes were always trying to get Jesus to come to their agenda And Jesus said, I am not here to fulfill your agenda. I'm here to fulfill my agenda. And that is to see people saved. I believe this. I believe that the reason God has protected Longview, Texas, and this East Texas, is because of God's people. But it's time. And I'm not going to be long. In fact, I'm coming to the close. It's time that we started taking the solution to our friends and our neighbors. And that is Jesus Christ. Every member, listen to this. You no longer are exempt from giving the gospel. No longer. We can no longer said, well, you know, my schedule's not really going to, my schedule, Pastor, we're no longer exempt. Because at the point that we come down to, well, you know, Pastor, somebody. No, 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 we are the somebody. Would you go to Romans chapter 10? Romans chapter 10 and verse number 1. The Apostle Paul, he said, brethren, my heart's desire for Israel is that they might be saved. He said, I have this huge desire for Israel. And that desire for the nation of Israel is that they might be saved. Romans chapter 10, if you will. And he comes down to there in verse number 2. He says, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that what, please, believeth. The reason we must, as Emmanuel, we must get to our neighbors and we must get to our co-workers, we must get to those people that are around us, is because they are establishing their own righteousness. But they are doing it in ignorance. Please know the difference. I didn't say they were dumb, and I didn't say they were, 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 were uh, a dunce. I said, according to the Bible, they're ignorant. It just simply means they don't know. They just don't know. They don't understand why I'm trying to be a good moral person. Why do I keep stepping? The reason people, mankind keeps stepping into these fulfillment of the lust of the flesh because they have no counterpart to the flesh. They have no spirit. That the more they grow in the spirit, the stronger that pull and the more. But if you have no spirit to walk in, then the only thing you have to walk in is how you were raised, what the trends of society are, and you're at the mercy 
of man's wisdom. This is why you and I have to look at our, the people around us. I would ask you this. Do you even know your neighbors? Do you even know your coworkers? Look what it says here in Romans chapter 10. Brother, my desire, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel that it might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Verse number 6, but the righteousness, which is of faith, speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of what, please? Faith. You don't need anything else to see somebody come to Jesus except what is in you already. We have so come down to where, you know, i got to learn how to do this thing called witnessing and gospel giving and soul winning or whatever you want to call it. i gotta, I just got to go through a 12-week course. No, you don't. If you know what happened to you on the day you got saved and you know you were there on the day you got saved and you just know what Christ did for you, take that word of faith and just simply tell somebody else, can I tell you what Christ did for me on the day I got saved? And look what it says here in verse number 8. Verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess, the, 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 the Lord, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference, look at this, between the Jew and the what please, Greek. That's very important. As a church... If we are putting a difference between the Jew and the Greek, if all of a sudden we separate the races, and that is the reason for our social, we're going to be in trouble. This is why we must be a church that we are more interested in the soul of a man than we are what color that man is. Prejudice should not exist in this church. Racism should not exist in this church. I didn't ask permission for this, but Miss Kelly and I were part of a conversation yesterday that we were totally shocked at what was being said. That here is a young married man trying to decide, is church really just about this? And I told him, church is not a place of bigotry or racism. And listen to this, it should not happen in private conversation or in public conversation. And the only reason our children mouth off about race is because they hear their mom and dad mouth off about race. When we take a gospel view of our society, then we take this gospel view that says this. Look at this. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich 
unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now here's where our marching orders are. Look at verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not, what please, heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be, what, sent? Let me go backwards in this. You're sent. So you're to be a preacher. You're to tell them who to believe on. And you're to tell them, I'm to tell them how great Jesus is and what he can do for you. And that he can so save you and put his spirit in you that when you do come up against the forces of evil, you've got the force of God on the inside. And that you can have a successful life. You can overcome addiction. You can live a good, clean life. You can overcome pornography. You can come o- overcome the lust of the flesh. You can win that battle in your mind, sir. You can win that battle of that tongue, ma'am. You can win that battle, teenager. You can, you can, you can, you can. But it does not come from a 12-step program. It comes from salvation. And if we want to see our city become a fit place to live, then we've got to get the solution to our city out. And that is Jesus. It's Jesus. I'm not going to ask you. Every Sunday night, get ready. I'm going to ask you. Where are you going this week to tell somebody about Jesus? I live on Texas Street in Gladewater. There are three members, three of us Emmanuel members that live on that street. One more is going to move in at the end of the street. Miss Patsy lives just to the west of me. Brother Josh and Miss Deanna live to the west. Mrs. Martin lives to the west of me. And can I tell you, it is Mrs. Martin's, Miss Allen's, Josh and Deanna, my job, the Hicks job, Jordan and Grace's job, and that one more member that's moving in the end of the street. It's our job to take our Jerusalem and to coordinate our efforts to make sure our Jerusalem knows about Jesus Christ. I'm asking you, Emmanuel, find out who lives around you and then say, come on, let's start knocking these doors. Let's start telling people about Jesus Christ. How many have members of this church that live close to you? Would you raise your hand? Yes, yes. Then if you're going to have a fellowship, you're going to have, let's get together. What, what do we need to do? How, lay out a map. I said it this morning, but I love what one member texted me. He said, all right, I figured out my Jerusalem. My Jerusalem has this many and this many. My Samaria has this many, and and, and we're going to get to work. Pastor, we're going to get it done. If every member would take that mindset, you say, well, when's your soul-winning night tonight? Welcome. And then all week long, it may take you two weeks, But there needs to be a decision, a conscious decision by every one of us, a conversation by every one of us. Where are we going to go this week? Hey, Brother Hicks, where are you and your family going to hit this week? Josh, Deanna, where are you all going this week? Hey, Miss Patsy, which ones are we going to do? Miss Martin, what what can we get done? Hey, and if you sit here and you say, but Pastor, I'm single and, and, and I just don't know of anybody I can go with. Let's overcome that boundary. Call the church and say, hey, I live in this area. What other Emmanuel members live around me that I can get with? Look at me and listen to me. I do believe it will work because I know it will work because the gospel always works. And when we get out there, 
That's how we get it done. We don't get it done by just one day, two hours. No, we get it done by making it a lifestyle and making it something that is our passion and then taking our neighborhoods for Christ. Because if we don't take our neighborhoods for Christ, there are people who have agendas that are going to take our neighborhoods for Christ. Did y'all hear that? There are people who have agendas. And I think, Emmanuel, coming out of this quarantine... I have been waiting for this launch moment to come back to everybody and say, every one of us are responsible for our Jerusalem. Now, for those that live out in Timbuktu, that your only neighbor is an old geezer with a shotgun. And for those that live next to Travis Smith, I am so sorry. Then find the nearest section of streets and let's just get it done. We had a couple here this morning that uh, Trey and Hope, and uh, it was very interesting because I threw uh, Braxton and and uh, which, which sister are you dating? I'm kidding. And uh, oh, that was wrong, wasn't it, Lauren? That was wrong. And uh, and uh, and I threw uh, uh, Braxton and Lauren under the bus last week and said, "Take your woman, boy. I got some. I got some text over that one." And uh, but but there's a couple here today, Trey and Hope. And, uh, and I was talking to them after church, and they're going to get married sometime in the, in the uh, first of next year. And their moms and dad, the, the parents were telling me, said, you know, Pastor, what they really enjoy doing on their dates? They really enjoy knocking doors. And I thought to myself, they're not weird. We're weird. Because when you talk like this, it's like, oh, oh, who, who would want to? And if you're sitting here right now, young person, and you're like, that's kind of dorky, don't date that guy or that girl. Because the same people that don't want to give the gospel out are the same people that won't go to church. Trust them on that one. Emmanuel, I'm calling upon all of us tonight. the bags that are out there in the foyer do two things. One, it leaves people the gospel. Number two, it tells them that there's a place that believes in the gospel. But that bag is not the end. It's just a means to the end. I have the bag here. And forgive me if I'm so elementary. But Miss Kelly, could I get you to come? I've already told her how many bags to pick up. And for Miss Kelly, Kelly and I, it's going to be as simple. We have teen convention this week. We're done Thursday night, Friday. I'm going to confess, I'm sleeping in Friday, okay? It's going to be a long week. I've already told God I'll see you about 1030 in the morning. And, uh, but you know what? Saturday. There's so much in me that maybe even tonight after church, it's still light outside. That that her and I are going to walk up to a door, and we're just going to... And I'm going to say, hi, 
My name's Bob, this is Kelly, and we are your neighbors. And we just live right across the street, a little bit down the road. And, and, and we have not lived here very long, and we would like to meet you. I pastor Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview, and I, w- I want to give this to you. In here are some things about the Lord, about salvation. There's a John in Romans, and uh, there's a couple of things. I do an encouragement at Emmanuel every day. Well, not every day. Tuesday through Saturday. I think I just lied to you, sir. Uh, Tuesday through Saturday. I mean, that's exactly how it's going to go, too. Uh, Tuesday through Saturday. And uh, it will encourage you. All the instructions are there. But in here are some questions. But probably the most important question is this. Do you know Christ as your Savior? Whatever the response is from there tells Kelly and I, what we do next what do we do next and once we find out if there's a need then it's our job to fill that need and then it's our job please listen to this would it not be great if all of a sudden your neighborhood knew who to turn to in time of need Stephanie and Jamie's Dad's cousin lives across the street from us, and, uh, and it's kind of interesting because he is the watchman of the neighborhood. He steps out every night. Y'all, Ron Withers, right? He steps out, flashlight, and he's like, man, that flashlight is like high-powered deer, hog-killing flashlight, and he just comes across the neighborhood like that. And uh, the other day, he said, y'all were out of town. Brother Rob was out of town. And I saw some people pull in that driveway. You know, I'm just like, who are you people? <laughs> let, me, let me tell you. They that are whole need not a physician, but sinners. You say, are you calling a withers a sinner? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I'm telling you this, that it may... Brother Ron and his dear wife, church-going people, love the Lord, great people. But I promise you that we're going to find somebody in that neighborhood that needs Jesus Christ. I'm asking you tonight, let's reach our town. Reach your neighborhood. You say, Pastor, I'm scared half to death. I understand that. You single people. Maybe you're like, I, I don't have anybody to go with. Then, then find, let's call down the church. Let's start coordinating our efforts. The church text, they're going to be sent out and say, hey, we have, we have some young people or young adults that can go. And anybody else out there can go. Listen, we have to get this done. And then from there, we're going to start sectioning off the city. And on Sunday nights, we will have things for you with streets. And then we'll just ask, hey, who can take this street? And then what's going to happen is somebody's going to need a ride to church. And then we're going to give them a ride. And then what's going to happen after that is somebody's going to, hey, you know, you know what I would love to see? Every car bring somebody to church on a Sunday. But it's not going to happen if we don't get out there and get it done. Heavenly Father, Lord, I sure do love you and I truly.